Welcome back, everybody. This is the Broken Sun podcast feed that you're on. We're in between seasons at the moment, and this is our second system playtest. This time we'll be playtesting Scum and Villainy, a hack of Blades in the Dark by Strass Asimovic and John LaBeouf Little. Last time you probably heard our playtest already of The Sprawl, and this is a system that's not quite as focused on cyberpunk, but still just as focused on being a hardened criminal in space. Uh, this time, our playtest is going to take place in the uh, in the canon, as it were, of the Broken Sun universe, uh, just in a slightly different location from the one that we're used to. Before we get too much into that, though, I'd like to introduce the people who will be joining me for this playtest. So, going clockwise in the video chat here, we've got Michael Blood. Hi, everyone. I'm Michael Blood, and for today's podcast, I'll be playing Xavier Quag renowned pilot and schmoozer. And where can people find you if they want to? If they want to, they can find me at Good Sir Blood on Twitter, but I wouldn't recommend it. A hard disagree there. Next up, we have Velvet. Hi, everyone. I'm Velvet. I'll be playing Nora Valkyrie today, and you can find me on the interwebs at OG Brown Sugar. All right. And also today, we're joined by Colleen. Also known as Keekers. <laughs> Sorry. That's we're joined okay. by Keekers. Oh, it, it doesn't matter that much at this point anyway, but hi everyone, it's Keekers, but yes, my real live name is Colleen. <laughs> oh, don't tell them that, now they'll be able to find us. Oh yeah, as if I don't already have my real name in my Twitter, which is BeespaceCat, <laughs> and uh, today I am playing the kind of weird, scraggly former cult member Gil McGill, and just he's in the octopus's garden playing his drums. Good for him. Not a reference of any kind, of course. Totally original content. Do not steal. (laughs) (laughs) TM. I had to go in a completely different direction of scruffy man this time than last time. (laughs) A different type of scruffy man. Yeah, because I'm not sure where you're finding your inspiration for those men. Uh, I knew Mike would be upset if I tried to duplicate Tully and uh, play him again. No, no, of course not. <laughs> I don't think we'd be upset by that. I was so happy. <laughs> Hard to tell with you if you're being sarcastic or not. Uh, that's fair. Uh, no witty retort. That's just true. All right. So Scum and Villainy, uh, as mentioned, is a forged in the dark game. So it's uh, based on John Harper's Blades in the Dark. If you want your own copy of Scum and Villainy, you can get it from Evil Hat Games. That's evilhat.com. Uh, or from your friendly local game store. Just have them order it. That's what I did. And uh, if you can email Evil Hat Games with uh, proof of purchase, then they will send you a PDF for free when you buy a copy, uh, a hard copy of the game, which is very nice. So how this game works is much like Blades in the Dark, you have a character playbook, and your character playbook determines the types of actions and action ratings that you have. And the faction is not a character. Okay. Right. So when you are going through your character playbook, you pick a number of options to help you determine what your character will be like in the game. And then you roll a certain number of six-sided dice based on the type of action you're attempting and your action rating, and uh, basically one, two, and three, it doesn't go the way you want it to. Four or five, uh, you get what you want, but there's a cost or a complication. And with a six, it just happens as you thought it would. So you've got a 50% chance to succeed, even if you're only rolling one dice. So it's it's not too shabby. 
but obviously the more dice the better. If you want more dice, there's a variety of ways you can do that. You can push yourself, take stress, which is a resource that your character has uh, in this game to get an extra dice, or you can accept a devil's bargain, which is where you ask the uh, game runner for a devil's bargain, and they will tell you, I'll give you an extra dice, but this bad thing is going to happen, or this thing you may not like is going to happen. You can get an assist that will give you an additional die from someone else on your team, and they spend stress. Or you can also use a gambit, which is a pool of dice that your uh, whole squad, your whole, there's a word I want for this, but probably squad. Crew? Crew is the good one, yes. Your whole crew has access to this pool of gambits, and you can choose to use one. And you can gain them back on desperate rolls. That said, the uh, game runner will set whether your action is controlled, risky, or desperate. And then they will also say whether the effect that you might have in this situation is limited, standard, or great. And then that determines what the outcome will be when you roll the dice, what type of outcomes you can achieve when you roll the dice. We'll get more into it as we play the game, but just a basic introduction to it. It is a more narrative-focused game, meaning that there aren't constant pluses and minuses and keeping track of your special gear and all that stuff, although there is gear. So that's uh, Scum and Villainy, and it takes place in space, and you play jerks or uh, criminals with hearts of gold, really depending on what you want to be. And speaking of that, I just closed up my book on the page that I really needed to have open right now. All right, well, while I'm trying to get this page back, let's go over to your characters and talk about them. So we'll go in the same order. So we have here Xavier Quag, played by Michael Blood. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your playbook and the narrative stuff you've chosen for your character? So Xavier Quag is a speaker, and the tagline for that playbook is a respectable person on the take. And uh, if you need schmooze, you need money, you need booze, you need drugs, you need ship parts, I got you. I took the, the Favors Ode special ability, which will allow me to be even better at getting stuff for the party or for whomever. And I specifically took the uh, the kit ship owner, so I'm, I'm able to pilot the ship and do a little bit of sneaking around because uh, I don't, I'm not so good in a fight. <laughs> Maybe not good at fighting itself, but you can always find some way to help out, I am sure. By stressing myself into trauma. Yeah. Uh, if you take too much stress, your character gets trauma and you disappear from the scene. Our next player, uh, we've got Velvet, and you're playing... I'm playing Nova Valkyrie. Oh boy, tell us about them. I'm the muscle of the team, just in case we find ourselves in a bit of trouble. Uh, I'm an Imperial, former Syndicate assassin, and uh, my kit is pretty much designed to just, uh, you know, make problems go away. My starting ability is Unstoppable, and my special ability is Predator. What do those let you do? Unstoppable lets me push myself to perform uh, feats of physical force that verge on the supernatural. All right. And Predator lets me take an extra die against uh, weakened or vulnerable targets. Sounds good. And we will talk about all of your other stuff as we continue. And that brings us to Keekers playing... Gil, uh, short for McGill. Though no one ever really calls him Nancy. If they did, they'd get a punch in the face. He is a scoundrel who is a former cult member. He kind of grew up in one of the cults. And he had, he is a relic hunter. Uh, so he's a bit of a daredevil when it comes to uh, 
So he tends to, when uh, he makes a desperate roll, I can take one die. And if you, if I do so, I don't mix the XP in the actions attribute. Okay. Make sure that you click on those things there. And your starting ability is serendipitous? I believe so. Yeah. Which gives the crew an extra gambit when the pool resets, which is particularly useful for this crew uh, because you have chosen for your ship to be the Cerberus, a bounty hunting vessel. Now, the Cerberus R-29 Firebrand Type Patrol Craft uh, is a ship designed for bounty hunters and extraction specialists. And what did you decide your crew was going to be? Bounty hunters, right? Yeah, we were going to be like bounty hunters bringing in in people. Okay. And you decided that the reputation for your crew was brutal, as I recall. Yeah. Meaning that when people think of your crew, they think uh, dangerous and violent, perhaps more so than is strictly necessary. Allegedly. (laughs) Dublin is right deadly, fam. (laughs) (laughs) You've got your, you've all picked your starting ability and your special abilities. Uh, I don't think, do any of you have special armor from your ability? I don't think so. I don't have any armor whatsoever. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to figure this out. (laughs) I don't either. If the ability states that it gives you armor, then it does. Otherwise, it does not. Wait, wait, do, do, victi- do uh, cigars count as uh, something productive? They are not armor, no. Those are for flavor. No, Patrick, cigars are not armor. <laughs> Think about it, though. Like, the pack, like, in the breast pocket, like, maybe it's, like, in one of those little metal cases, and, like, if he got shot right there, it dent it and protect him. Maybe that'll come up. It'll depend on how we roll. It's canon you keep your cigars it. in the flask? <laughs> Cigarettes. <laughs> Cigar flasks are illegal under the laws of the logistocracy. <laughs> they have like these metal, like they used to have these metal like cases for your cigarettes. Okay. I'm I'm not kidding. So like I just imagine that's like I don't know. Can I just retcon them and say they're cigarettes instead of cigars? You'd have a victory cigarette instead of a victory cigar. What would Will Smith think? Well, I don't care. Whoa. He's dead. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 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 Let's not go making assumptions. He is the high level Will Smith. He he survived the emergency. He may have. I mean, if we're going to save anybody. (laughs) (laughs) There's a long list of of people that need to be saved from humanity. It's number one, Will Smith. And then there's a long, long blank space before the next name. (laughs) All right. So uh, you all picked your heritage as well, I believe. Uh, so Nova was Imperial, meaning I assume you would be from uh, Hygieia itself. Hygieia belongs to the Nords. Uh, does everyone else pick a heritage? I sure have. What is Gil's heritage? Gil is a spacer, though part of me is like kind of like, mm, what if he was like a test tube baby? Because then uh, that'd be fun for the cult. You could go with manufactured. So they do make homunculi. <laughs> hey, this is the space shakers, so I guess they can <laughs> okay, and what was the, uh, nope, nope, wrong, wrong one. What was Xavier's background? Was it? I am also a spacer. Rather? A spacer, okay. Well, now I'm manufactured, so you're the only spacer. I am the only spacer, and I am unique and beautiful. All right, and your background covers what you've been doing before you joined the crew. So the options are academic, labor, cult, gilder, military, noble, and syndicate. What was the background for Xavier? I was a space dock hand, so I worked in labor. Okay. And Nova was? Alleged former assassin. Okay. 
Would that go under military or? Uh, syndicate. Syndicate. Right. Oh, that kind of assassin. Not the official kind. And uh, I'm going to guess I already know what the background is for Gil, but. Gil has a complicated uh, backstory <laughs> in that he, he was uh, Manny. Like, he's not exactly a clone. He does have, he did have, like, people that donated their genes to make him. Mm-hmm. But he grew up in this cult for a while, and then he wanted to leave, so he did, and he became the assistant of this uh, archaeologist, <laughs> Dr. Fatu, who uh, she kind of taught him, and then he kind of went bad and became a scoundrel and started... Uh, he went bad from his noble origin. <laughs> well i mean they were like i don't know i don't remember what i don't know which cult we're saying he belonged to but he went worse so you've got <laughs> frank and homunculi dr indiana joe and Han solo going on no, yep. he's <laughs> he's not a homunculi i'm telling you he's just a <laughs> test tube baby in vitro okay so, I mean, he might he might have one giant kidney instead of two kidneys, but besides that, he's pretty human. That's awful. <laughs> Why is that the the thing they chose to evolve? No, <laughs> it's not what they evolved. It just was an error. <laughs> hey, remember the appendix? We got five <laughs> of those now. Progress. See, they're decoys. <laughs> I, I seriously have known people that had, well... Okay, so my great grandfather had four kidneys. Stop it. All right. <laughs> You're a liar. I don't believe. I, I'm not a liar. I rolled to disbelieve, Matt. What's the action? I can't help it. I'm serious. <clears throat> I don't know if they were functioning. Literally, like, found out. Gosh, it was like a twin thing. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, so next you assign four action dots. Each playbook begins with one action at level two. This is one of my and best one at level one. Rabbit trails ever. You get to add four more ratings to bring you to a total of seven dots assigned. Uh, during character creation, no action rating may be higher than two, unless a special ability gives you the option to go up above two. So um, make sure that you are setting those four action dots, and those action dots go into the action ratings. Uh, in general, you can increase by one any action that you feel reflects your character's heritage, and then increase another one by any action that you feel reflects your character's background, and then two more actions anywhere you like. Again, max rating of two for all of those. Okay, so does everybody have their action dots assigned? I sure do. Yes. Okay, good. So next we have got choose one friend and run rival. I think you've all done that already. Sure have. Someone... One person you'll have a close relationship. Maybe they are a a, fr- a good friend, uh, a lover, a family relation, former mentor, student, something along those lines. And you mark the up triangle there. And the other one is your rival. Maybe they used to be your friend. Maybe you never got along. And you mark the downward pointing triangle next to their name. And that person is now your rival. That doesn't mean that you can't go to your rival for help. You can. They'll probably just be a jerk about it. All right. And your vice. Uh, when you want to get rid of stress, you need to indulge your vice, which is the thing that your character likes to do during their downtime, to de-stress, to unwind. So the options for vice are faith, gambling, luxury, obligation, pleasure, stupor, and weird. 
So each one of those is an option for what your character might like to do in their downtime. So you pick one of those and then you write something a little bit more specific to go along with the actual vice. So an example they have here is you might choose pleasure and write rare delicacies from distant planets uh, as, as the pleasure vice that you specifically have. What if weird is making weird faceless dolls? I, I'm not talking about for Gil. This is for a future character. Uh-huh. A future character <laughs> named Geekers? I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> you don't know him. He goes to a different school. <laughs> she lives in Canada. <laughs> I live, like, in the opposite of Canada. You know, that, that seems like certainly something you could put in a weird. Weird tends to be, like, doing weird experiments, uh, exploring the space magic system in whatever universe you're from. Uh, communing with ancient artifacts. Okay, I mean, Gil is luxury and is probably like rolling around in piles of ancient artifacts, or sure, eating or or drinking pan galactic gargle blasters. Yeah, excuse me. <laughs> it, okay, imagine a uh, alcoholic drink where it's like a slice of lemon wrapped around a hard gold solid gold brick and you're bashed over the head with it. That's what it's like. I want one. Good old Douglas Adams. <laughs> God bless. Okay, anyone else have a vice picked out? I got luxury. I collect ancient weapons. Okay. And how about for Xavier? I'm taking pleasure and I like to... I spend a lot of time watching SimSense videos from Earth. Okay. All this stuff from old Earth. The Earth of legend. Uh, I need to pay out the nose for it. It's very expensive stuff. You'd think they could just copy it because it's digital, but no, no. I'm sure there's some reason why you can't just do that. Okay, and you have recorded your name, your alias, and your look. Okay, good. And did we hear about the looks of each of your characters? What's the look of Xavier Quag? He is a... He he would be pretty if he weren't so pale, and mm -hmm. he kind of looks a bit emaciated. Right. And he wears, um, he wears a skin-tight flight suit if he's not being fancy all right so if you're really into david bowie you'd be into this guy yes i think that that is right, exactly good. what that's the vibe that's exactly the vibe <laughs> is this kentai flight suit the like space equivalent of the fancy like tracksuit he's like a he's a squatting slav he's he's wearing an adidas tracksuit analog <laughs> but skin tight but very skin tight <laughs> is it in this universe do you spray it on like with a can or is it still something that you put on? Oh. He, um, he, pers it's, it's one, it's one zipper all the way up to your wrist. You still have to put it on. Right. Or at least he does. Other okay. people might be okay. extremely wealthy and can have the spray on pants. I bet there's also an option where like you put it on and it's billowy, but then you press a button and it goes onto it's you. It's exactly it. <laughs> and it's horrible because he's so skinny. <laughs> all right. Uh, Nova, what is your look? I've got the spray on stuff, so I just look like Catwoman all the time. Oh, sure, perfect. <laughs> oh no. Uh, what skills look? I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a pet. I'm just imagining our three characters together. Uh, Gil always has dark, really scruffy hair. Kind of reminds me of someone else I played. Uh, he's always wearing sunglasses or like tinted glasses, so no one can ever see what his eyes look like. Even indoors? Even indoors? I mean, they're on spaceships all the time, so yeah. I mean, um, he has like a full beard, 
even though that might be out of fashion, I don't know. Um, and he tends to wear like outfits with like some sort of like metallic looking fabric. Like, um, he has like a particular like bright blue shiny trench coat that he wears a lot, um, over like not as tight as people, other people's outfits, but still kind of tight. And if I was going to say his one fashion idol, it would be Sagfod Beeblebrox from the, well, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie. His outfits are closer to what uh, Gil's outfits look like. But also, like, maybe, like, he also has, like, this bright fuchsia pink, like, army wear that he also wears sometimes, like, a, you know, Sergeant Pepper, Lonely Hearts Club band style. Okay. So like the Sam Rockwell version of Zephod Beeblebrox. Yeah, so imagine either guy wearing like one of Zephod with a bright blue trench coat, metallic trench coat, or Ringo's outfit in Lonely Hearts Club. Uh, imagine one of those two outfits. They're his two favorites. Okay, so uh, how did each one of your characters become a bounty hunter? Why did they end up in this life? Why is Xavier a bounty hunter? I was press ganged, and then. Yeah, maybe still on escape pod when the when the 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 vessel I would signed on with went up against the logistocracy and went pirate, and I just sort of maybe shot myself into space instead of dealing with that. That's fair. And you got picked up by uh, the bounty hunters group, the hired goons. Yep, they put you to work. Oh, I proved a capable pilot. Excellent. How did Nova end up hunting bounties? Oi was one of several children. And uh, a wealthy um, Hygian family. And I was so far down that they didn't really give me any responsibilities. And I eventually got bored. What else would you do when you're bored other than hunt bounties? All right, uh, Gil, how did you end up here? Well, I kind of talked about Gil's backstory before a little bit too much earlier. But um, as I said, he kind of grew up in one of the cults in the asteroid belt. And... um kind of got tired of it and broke out um, at a reasonably young age and was taken in by this archaeologist, Dr. Fatu, um, and she kind of took him under his under her wing, taught him about artifacts and stuff like about from Earth and all that. And then he kind of like she had like was more of a positive influence on him. But then right. he kind of broke bad and became one of the people that she kind of like looked down on who were basically like these dealers that weren't very or like people who would steal these artifacts and stuff. And like she they're not rivals, but kind of like he became the thing she doesn't really necessarily approve of. Like she's like, well, you can do it in a more like better moralistic way and he's like yeah but that i can't get everything i want if i follow the rules right. and then i guess it kind of devolved into this job well welcome to the ship and speaking of which your ship is called a cerberus the bounty hunting ship what is the name of this cerberus ship spot no i'm joking you guys can pick something else i'm just being silly i'm a huge fan of spot Spotted as lulled them into a false okay. sense of security. All right. The ship's designation is Spot. 
Your reputation is brutal. What does this ship look like? What color is it? Part of me wants to say, like, black, but that would be weird because then it would kind of blend in almost. I don't know, out in space. I mean, that's that's not a bad idea. We are bounty hunters. We don't want a neon green ship, maybe. It also seems to match everyone's aesthetic. <laughs> We're a bit edgy. Well, yeah, a bit. a bit. Edgy. I mean... I'm just imagining, like, it looks kind of like the car from it, Kit from, is that Knight Rider? Or? Yeah, it's Knight Rider. It's Knight Rider, yeah. Yeah. I like it being pretty sleek. Why not? Okay, so it's a sleek black ship that looks like a 1980s car. Yeah, yeah we're, we're firmly in the camp of anime now. We have a mural to David Hasselhoff on the inside. <laughs> the 1982 Pontiac Firebird, but in space and presumably much larger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the helm is definitely the interior of a 1982 Pontiac Firebird. <laughs> All right, a black 82 Pontiac Firebird with the fuzzy dice and the eight ball. Naturally, those are um, those are some of the Earth royalties that I've had to pay for. I just realized that if you did a voice for the uh, spaceship, Matt, you're gonna have to totally do try to do Kit's voice. <laughs> oh, well, you know how good I am at celebrity impressions. I mean, you remember my Winnie the Pooh voice. He's excellent. So, He's when is that coming back? <laughs> I'm so ready. Now, uh, I've picked three factions and put them together for this test that we're doing. So, the three factions we have are the Hygiene Logistocracy. The Hygiene Logistocracy is the ruling body here in the Hygiene asteroid family. So, this game takes place in the asteroid belt and uh, it takes place specifically at 10 Hygieia, which is the fourth largest asteroid in the asteroid belt, and uh, the surrounding asteroids around it, like Bedinia and Friedrich, and there's a couple of other smaller ones, but Hygieia itself is the headquarters of the Hygieian logistocracy, and where the majority of the people in this area live. If you don't live in Hygieia, which has been hollowed out and turned into a colony, you probably live on uh, Bedinia or in Friedrich, which are much smaller, or you might live in a station or just on your ship and only dock when you need supplies. There is around this region what is called a shroud. And what the shroud does is it keeps energy emissions from leaking beyond the edge of the shroud, beyond this region, making it basically invisible to sensors. But that means that everybody inside the shroud has to follow very strict rules about how much energy they are allowed to emit and use at any given time, and how much light they are allowed to use and have going at any particular time. Because the people here are still hiding from the emergency and the mistake uh, in a more traditional way than those on the station. In the Hygiene Logistocracy, we have a number of squads within it. We have the Logistarch's bench. The Logistarch is the head of the Hygiene Logistocracy. She is um, 200 years old. She is very capable, cold-blooded, highly efficient and organized. She knows how to count things and keep track of things really well. And that is why she has set up a logistocracy, which is a dictatorship based on controlling supplies. Controlling supplies is, of course, extremely important when you live in space. We've also got the Warehousers Guild is the second largest or second most influential faction within the Hygiene logistocracy. Their job is warehousing and keeping track of the supplies. They're the most powerful people there other than the logistarch herself. The Divine Measure is the official church of the Logistocracy, and it also doubles as the marketplace. When you need to get your supplies, you have to go to your local branch of the Divine Measure, and they will measure out what you are owed. 
The people who maintain the Shroud are a Tier 3 squad within this faction. The Shipping Authority, who makes sure that people follow the correct routes and carry the correct amount and only burn the right amount of fuel, are also Tier 3 here. The Bedinia family is the ruling group on board the asteroid Bedinia, which is about 70 kilometers across. Uh, they are a Tier 2. They are under the control of the Logistark as well. And there's also the Protectorate of Friedrich. Friedrich used to be a, an independent colony within this area of the asteroid belt, but was brought under the quote-unquote protection of the Logistark about 100 years ago, when the Logistark consolidated her control of this entire region. There's also the Hygiene News Network and the meters. The meter's job is they just go around and make sure people are, uh, they check meters. That's what they do. And they can shoot you if you're off. The second largest faction is the Belt Slackers. The Belt Slackers is the loose organization of criminals, bounty hunters, independent farmers, and so on who live in this region as well, who are still living under the controlling fist of the logistocracy but try to keep themselves as independent as they can within that. We've got the Round Robin Syndicate, which is the largest crime family in the region. There's the Hedonarchy. The Hedonarchy is a very popular Tier 3 gang here. Uh, what they do is they stage daring raids on official logistocracy warehouses, and they use the supplies to throw big parties. And of course, there are persistent rumors that several of the masked attendees of those parties are, in fact, officials from the logistocracy just trying to have a good time. The Ordinary Measure is your standard black market. They are in opposition to the Divine Measure. You can go to the Ordinary Measure to buy stuff that you can't get if your supplies are running too short or if your rations are too tight. Next, there are the Hired Goons. It's a body that handles licensing and organizing of bounty hunters. So they are your direct, bo your direct bosses within this group of people. There's the Salvatore Giuliano's Disciples. They are a Robin Hood-like group. They steal from the rich and give to the poor and kill meters wherever they can find them. The Church of the Mistake is a cult that is attempting to lure the Mistake into the Shroud to attack and exterminate the faction of humanity that created the Mistake, which is what the Mistake is hunting. Next, we have the Chief Group, the Cluster of Hygieia Independent Exofarmers Group. They're a group of experimental farmers who are attempting to find new ways to grow food on asteroids and in space. Eden's Gate is a cult that believes there's a hidden garden world somewhere in the asteroid belt and have dedicated their lives to trying to figure that out. And then, of course, there's All of You. So we can now change this name to The Spot Crew. And you are a Tier Zero faction, or a Tier Zero squad within the Belt Slackers faction. And finally, there's the Expats. This is the grouping of aliens who are also living in this region. They are under the Logistark's control, but whether they like it or not, there aren't as many of them, even if their technology may be superior to that of humans. You have the Andromedan Exile and the Centauran Fellowship, attempts to set up the home governments here in this region. The Andromedan Guard is their elite soldiers, and the Centauran Aquanauts are their elite soldiers. You have FECPO, the Fellowship Exile Co-Prosperity Organization, which is a group which attempts to facilitate cooperation between the Andromedans and the Centaurans. You have the Cult of the Emergency that believes that the emergency is a good thing and they are attempting to bring it back and making sure that uh, if they are loyal to the emergency or worship it, then they will survive and become the curators of the coming reborn galaxy. Next, you have Ferg, the Fellowship Exile Resistance Group, who want to wrest control of the uh, Hygiene region from the Logistocracy and install Andromedan and Centauran rulers over the humans that live here. And finally, last and least, the expat diplomatic corps, the official liaisons between FECPO and the Logistocracy, 
nobody really listens to them or cares about what they have to say. So those are all of the factions. You can see them in the factions region. Not all of them have their descriptions written in. So with that said, your ship starts with uh, two in comms, including a long-range scanner, which allows you to get the drop on people who are around you, and tier one engines, including a jump drive. The jump drive isn't really something that fits into our setting, but we'll figure out what that is. And tier one in weapons, including grappling hooks, which you can use to ensnare and pull close enemy ships that you're trying to get to. From there, you need to customize your ship. So you get to get two additional ship systems you want to improve. You can uh, add an addition to engine, hull, comms, or weapons. You can also try to improve your crew quality, but that's not really useful right now. So what do you want to improve on your ship? Our comms are pretty good right now. Yep. What do y'all think? Because I think I'm leaning toward either taking a point in hull or increasing our engines. Maybe the grappling hooks. I was thinking engines. Can we increase how much gear we can have so we can have an alien pet? Uh, that's not part of this step. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Skip to the part that speaks to me. So you get two ship up. You get two system improvements. So you can do hull and one other if you want. Does that sound good to y'all? Okay, I'm trying to figure out where that is on a sheet. You have to click on the sheet that says the ship. Yeah, I dig. Oh, okay. I was on the ship mode of my character. Sorry. Yeah, it's it doesn't populate across all character sheets, so I just made an additional character called the ship. All right, so you're putting one in hull and one in engines. Think so. Okay. So you have decided what you want to improve. Uh, Let's see. I have to tell you about an infaction that helped you get those improvements. They did you a favor. Okay. So getting your hull improved was something that you did through the good graces of the right of the hired goons, your direct bosses. They wanted to make sure that your ship was capable of withstanding impacts from micrometeorites and weaponry when that happened. So they, uh, they installed additional armor plating on your ship. Now, did you pay them off, promise to return the favor, or stiff them? If you pay them off, you give them one cred in exchange for a job well done, no strings attached, nothing owed. If you owe them one, you promise you'll return the favor down the line when they ask, and you gain plus one status with them. And if you stiff them, uh, you take minus one status with that faction, which means they don't like you much. I think that, like, we owe them because they're our bosses. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're too greedy to shell out the money. I definitely don't feel comfortable giving anyone cred. Okay. So I'm going to put you at your status at one with the hired goons. And I think you had your engines illegally improved. Uh, you had them illegally improved by the chief group, the Cluster of Hygieia Independent Exo Farmers group. The, some of, one of their experiments that was meant to grow food and vacuum instead uh, developed a fuel that was more efficient, and they offered that to you. How did you respond to that offer? You pay them off, owe them one, or stiff them? I don't want to piss off a bunch of farmers, guys. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we might have paid them, but... That could just be my inner goodness saying pay them. Uh, so I'm trying to think about what Gil would say. Xavier's perfectly fine just owing everyone favors. That's a future Xavier problem. That's not a me problem. Yeah, I guess owing them a favor is fun. Okay. I put you at status one with the chief group. I mean, there are a bunch of farmers. It, 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 if we owe them something, it's probably going to be like, move this corn from here to here. You think. Unless it's like there's m- more uh, official. No, it's gonna uh, be 
it's gonna be murder that landowner so he can um, subsidize his property. I've seen Children of the Corn like thrice. Or subdivide his property. I think you mean asteroid owner, so we can steal his asteroid. Yeah, except as you choose a special ability, you get to choose one of the special abilities listed on your ship. So the special abilities. I are mean, up here. I want to say loaded for bear. I have a pressing question. Yeah. Are the Hatfields and or McCoys in the Farmer Coalition? I don't know. Maybe we'll find out. Ugh. Never read The Coffin Quilt by Anne Rinaldi that is about the Hatfield and McCoys because it was so depressing. Unless you like things that are depressing, then you have my permission to read it. So the special abilities options are licensed. You take negative two heat on any legitimate bounty hunting job. Uh, your crew, your ship can carry a particle weapons, and your crew can carry and legally use heavy blasters in pursuit of a target. You've got on the trail. Your crew games an extra downtime activity, probably not useful in this. Light touch. You gain potency when tailing a target or when gathering info at a target's previous location, which means you would go from well, you gain potency, so that could increase your position or effect. Uh, you've got snatch and grab. When you use deception, infiltration, or a social plan to execute a kidnapping, add plus one d to the engagement roll. Loaded for bear, your crew can carry plus one load. They have distinctive and high quality armor. When you wear armor, it counts as heavy armor, meaning it has two uses. None of you seem to have armor, though you might have it as uh, a gear. Play both sides. When you release a bounty target, make them a crew contact. And deadly, each crew member may add one action rating to command, scrap, or skulk up to a maximum of three. I think for a one shot, the most useful ones here are deadly or uh, loaded for bear. Deadly because it will make you more effective. You guys know my vote. Uh, hmm. Deadly probably helps me most. No, I wouldn't mind being able to, to mess people up better. So, Deadly, then? I th I'm sorry, I said guys. I meant folks. Ain't no words. Okay, so that means you can go onto your character sheet and add one to command, scrap, or skulk up to a maximum of three. Once that's done... Just so our listeners know, it when it said loaded for bear, it was literally loaded for bear. Like, not for bear is one word, but... Right. You're loaded in anticipation of meeting a bear. We're going to shoot that bear. Oh, it way is... out there. <laughs> Space bear. No! <laughs> All right, so crew or ship upgrades. Uh, you can look on the, character sh on the ship's character sheet. It says crew or ship upgrades. There's tracers, stun weapons, personal vehicles, hard knocks, and smooth criminal. Uh, two of those have two boxes next to them. That means they're worth two upgrades, so it would take your full starting thing here. One of them has three upgrades, which means you can't afford that right now. Well, Tracers is anything from like a bug that you would slap on somebody's back to a beacon that you would shoot onto somebody's ship that would allow you to track them through the shroud somewhere. Stun weapons are what they sound like. It means you can have stun settings on your blasters, you can have stun batons, tasers, etc., Personal vehicles means that everybody has their own one-person vehicle that can that you can use to dock places, drive around, go over to other ships, fly in space, whatever, what have you. Uh, hard knocks means that your characters are experienced in hardship and you start with one X additional gambit. I think I like personal vehicles because I love the idea of Nova being sent over as a one-man killing team. It sounds like all our characters would not pass up the opportunity to each own a thing. Yeah, I, I guess that that's a good... <laughs> that's fair. All right, I have ticked off personal vehicles. We can decide what those are when it comes up. Uh, lions. They're just smaller kids from Knight Rider. <laughs> yes. Okay, and there's also a bunch of uh, non-ship-specific upgrades that you could pick, like if we were doing... We talked about that before for Season 2. Uh, next, we choose a favorite contact. 
So who, oh wait, sorry. For your upgrades, one faction helped you get an upgrade. You are on good terms. Did they broker a deal? Did you run a job for them? Did you bail them out of trouble? They like you and you get plus one status with them. At your option, you spend one credit to repay their kindness and take plus two status with them instead. So who do you want to have gotten your personal vehicles from or your, uh, yeah, your personal vehicles from? The exile. Okay, which, so the Andromedans? Yeah. I was going to say, can we get pimped out rides from the aliens? That's, that's sure. Yeah. So is, did you get it from the central Andromedan specific government or from the official government, the FECPO, which is not as, they're only tier two, but they are theoretically the ones who are in, in charge of the government there. Where would Alien Exhibit be? <laughs> alien Exhibit, I feel like, is definitely in Ferg, and they would not want to make a deal with you. Aww. I, I don't, I don't really care uh, which alien faction is. What about the Andromedan Guard? What if we're, we're tight with the Royal Guard? Sure. That's- I'll give you plus one status with them. Can we say that, like, one of our characters was dating an Andromedan? If you want. Uh, all right. There was also one faction that got screwed over when you got these personal vehicles for some reason, and you're going to take negative two status with that faction. Probably, Who are you at negative two status with? Probably Ferg then, because like they're like head to head in a way. I think. Like, okay, maybe those vehicles were meant for Ferg, but they were given to you instead to avoid some type of diplomatic assassination. Yeah. I okay. I mean, I I'm kind of in love with the idea that someone. Tried to bang, uh, and <laughs> I don't know how that would work. Is is Gil volunteering? It's not that hard. I think that's a good. <laughs> that's a uh, the yeah. Shape of you Water just... two electric boogaloo. <laughs> and you get into a room together. The Andromedan exits their container, and then their particles merge with your particles. It's, it's the most nice. intimate experience a gas cloud can experience. I bet. Mm-hmm. I bet it's just like like just like someone spraying perfume at you, or like <laughs> one of those like. Oh my. Thing like talking like one of those like chambers of mist, and Gil was like, "Yeah, all right, this is fun. <laughs> this is okay. This is saucy. We cannot post this." <laughs> <laughs> all right, pick a favorite contact: Stacy Weathers, Ace Reporter, Arlox, uh, an assassin, Ishii, a weapons dealer, Lix, an alien tracker, and Jezri, a fixer. A fixer here meaning someone who fixes you up with jobs. Can we like edit it? You could, yeah. I wanted to put my vote uh, forward for uh, Chris Farley, who sells weapons out of his van down by the river. <laughs> Him again, okay. huh? All right, so shall I change Ishii's name to Chris Farley? Chris Wait, Farley, yeah. Are you, are we sure we don't want to have like a Tully cameo? <laughs> Maybe this is Tully's uh, descendant. Yep, there we go. Chris Farley. Does Chris Farley have the eye patch? He has, two, the- eye, he has two eye patches. And, and the uh, cardboard box. Of course. All right. Uh, so It's a great family heirloom. You've also got, you can see you've already got a brig on your ship, which means that it is more difficult for someone that you put in the brig to escape. Not impossible, just more difficult. All right. I'm going to say that Chris Farley, the weapons dealer, uh, is on the bad side of the... Uh, on the bad side of the sh- of the shipping authority. No, on the bad side of the divine measure. Yeah, because he's part of the black market. And he's selling things outside of the required uh, requirements. So we're going to give you negative one with the divine measure because you're friends with Chris Farley. 
but he is well liked in the ordinary measure, so I'll give you plus one with them. Yay. Okay. It all balances out. That's the idea. Good. I think that's everything. That means we're ready to play. Yay. Just going to pop over here. All right, all right. I'm going to do a horrible British accent. Your space accent. We'll just call it a space accent. Space Australia. Right. I mean, space Australia makes sense. It's also very close to the sun, and everything there just wants to kill you. Well, That's uh, where we live. <laughs> uh, too bad whiskey left when he did. Such is the way. Let me just flip open to what I'm getting here. So you are the Cerberus. So I just want it to be known in canon that there is a little, like, Urbot that follows, that Gil has, that is like a robot dog. Robot dog. Got it. It's an Urbot, though. It's like for packing stuff or whatever they said in the player book. I need to look that up again. An Urbot just means it's made from Ancient Ones technology. Ooh. Uh, all right. So let's see where you are when you start. I need to do a little bit of Mad Libs here. So just give me a minute to get my Mad Libs written down. And he licked his phalanges. Hey, now. We've, we've just had to edit out the, the part about gratuitous <laughs> Andromedan sex. We cannot be talking about licking phalanges. This is a family program, Keekers. I am you don't just... need to know any more about these Centauran erotica that Gil has in his notebooks. Gil is a fiend. What? What is it about me and these weird side stories and these weird male characters? I don't know, Keek. Why don't you tell us? What is it about you and these I'm weird strange being... men with their odd predilections? I don't know. I just try to go really weird. I just, I'm like, what if it was really weird? Well, you've hit your mark. I think you succeeded. Well done. Take plus one forward with every weird action. <laughs> it, it's all leading up to the official character we're going to have. We're just preparing the audience for how bizarre season two is going to be. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you guys know a little bit about the character I have talked about for season two. So I think <laughs> we're just at the tip of the iceberg here. But I will let the audience know. They are not a scruffy man. That we know of. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're not. So I can see them, like, getting one of those sets of, like, the fake mustaches that look horrible and putting them on. Just swap out Mr. Potato Head faces? Yeah, but, like, they'd try to wear them all at the same time. Enough spoilers. Okay. Here's where we begin. You're a crew of bounty hunters aboard the Spot, a Cerberus-class ship. You have recently been hired by Stacy the reporter contact that your crew has. Um, and Stacy, you should know, is a member of uh, Eden's Gate, that cult uh, that believes that there is a garden world hiding somewhere in the belt. So you've been hired by her, and you have been hired to capture a badass muscle, like an assassin. The assassin had a job to do that they were hired by Eden's Gate to complete, and they haven't done it. They've messed up somehow. Um, well how they messed up is they didn't kill their target or retrieve their target. The job is unfinished, and uh, Eden's Gate apparently is pretty angry about this. So this muscle that they hired also works for the hired goons. So they are uh, colleagues of yours, I suppose, but they are a, a, an assassin where you're bounty hunters. Slightly different jobs. And 
trying to find an assassin who's gone to ground is difficult, right? It's going to be tough. It's no easy feat, but you have figured out where this person is laying low. You have tracked them to a hotel. They are in a hotel on Bedinia. So you're on the second largest asteroid, which is much smaller than the main one. It's about 70 kilometers across. And in the process, you've also found out that Eden's Gate aren't the only people who want this assassin and their target. There are also several other factions that have been offering bounties to retrieve the assassin. And the assassin's name is Cho, C-H-O, Cho. Other factions that are interested that you have learned about are the Shroud, the Church of the Mistake, the Cult of the Emergency, Ferg, Fekpo, and the Shipping Authority. All of these groups are also interested in getting this bounty, but you took your job from Eden's Gate, so we'll see where we go from there. The last thing that you've learned is that Cho seems to be carrying a small Urbot with him wherever he's going, like a little robot strapped to his back in, in a papoose kind of situation. And he's been never been seen with this before, but the information that you got that has led you here to this hotel on Bedinia included a grainy security surveillance camera shot of Cho running through a square with a robot strapped to his back, pretty much in a papoose. You're in the hallway of the second floor of a rundown old hotel in the inside of Bedinia. There is a neon sign out front that says Paradise. Two of the letters no longer work. It's both of both of the A's. So it says Prudice right now. Uh, it costs you some cred and you twisted a few arms to get into the two to get into the system as well to get Cho's location, but you finally tracked him down here and you found him aboard Bedinia here in this hotel, and you are standing outside the door, ready to kick it down. Who's in front? Who's getting ready to kick down the door? Xavier is hiding behind Nova. <laughs> I'm going to Spartan kick the door open. As you start kicking the door open, you hear the roar of a hover bike, and it's revving up in an alley behind the hotel. Heavy blaster fire begins to rip through the hallway, shredding the plaster and rock uh, where you're standing and moving quickly towards where you are. So you see it coming through the wall of the room into the hallway where you're standing, like, <laughs> like one hole after the other, blaster bolts scorching out through and slamming into the wall next to you. Uh, you can see, as you've kicked down the door, uh, Cho is on a souped-up hover bike. There is that tiny robotic figure in the papoose on his back. He is firing his blasters at you. What do you do? All right, I think I need to get myself one of those. I'll see his hover bike and raise him a flamethrower. Okay. <laughs> I uh, I hit the ground and start looking for a fire escape so I can get an angle on him. <laughs> so this might be a good time to talk about resistance rolls. So Cho has basically got the drop on you. You thought you had the drop on him, but unfortunately he heard you coming. You're being attacked by a heavy blaster. So there's a couple of ways we can go about this. We can use resistance to talk about who is dealing with getting shot at by a blaster and how. Or we can use flashbacks to talk about how one or two of you might not actually be in the hallway at all, but rather somewhere else for some other reason as part of this job. A flashback is something that you do to basically say, I want to have done this before the mission started. And then depending on how complicated that thing is, you spend zero, one, two or more stress and then we say that happened before the mission started. And resistance is how you resist things that I say happen to you. 
Okay, so I have an idea that, I mean, my boy Gil is still kind of in this hallway, but there's a lot of, like, metal scaffolding up. So he's at a higher position to try to get a good uh, view and angle to shoot at this guy. All right. So you are you want to resist the blaster fire by saying that you are hidden behind scaffolding in the hallway? Like he's up on it. Uh this guy just has not looked up. He like there's like different like building supplies in the way too. So mm-hmm. Gil Gil is pretty like obscured. Okay. So if you want to say that you are not in the line of fire because the whole hall a, a heavy blaster is very illegal and mm-hmm. it makes big explosions. So if you are in this hallway, you're in the line of fire and you'll have to do a resistance roll. So you're either doing a resistance roll or you're doing a flashback to say you're not in the hallway, you're somewhere else. Okay, well then he's like around the corner in the scaffolding of this hallway. It's like an L-shaped hallway. So um, the scaffolding is... I can't say this word very well. But it's in the bottom of the L shape, um, and they're up there, like, fixing the ceiling. Okay. And uh, so he's, like, they can, he can hear, and he can kind of, like, pull his head out and look, like, at this guy, but he's up, he's up there. Okay. So you had planned before you started this job that you were going to be in that position instead? Yes. Okay. I don't think that's going to cost you any stress because it's just saying you went to a different place. So we'll say that you're there. You don't need to resist this attack it's also uh, it's also sorry it's also nice because like he could reach the vent uh, on mm-hmm. the ceiling if uh he needed to get through the vents <laughs> yeah of course uh nova we've established that you kicked the door open so you're going to have to resist this uh role and i think it's going to have to be with prowess so if you click on prowess in your character sheet it should do a resistance roll for you okay so you roll the three a four and a four So that means you take six minus the highest die in stress. So you take two stress. And instead of taking the, sorry, I should have said, getting hit by a heavy blaster would be level two harm. Um, So instead of taking the level two harm blasted, you're going to take the level one harm singed. Uh, So what does it look like as you avoid getting blasted into pieces by this very illegal weapon? Uh, I think I'm going to serpentine. A serpentine? Okay. So the blasts come and you're dodging from one way to the next, going towards where the blasts have already come, diving underneath the one that you timed. Very cool. You still take a singe across your back as you dive. It it hurts and you'll have less effects, but you can put singed in one of the level one harm slots on your sheet. Uh, Xavier, you were hiding behind Nova. Uh, Nova has dived out of the way, leaving you facing this on your own, unless somebody wants to take the resistance for you. You can resist on someone's behalf in this game if you can explain how you do it. I think I just hop in a maintenance closet quick as I can. Okay. All right. So roll your prowess resistance roll and we'll see how you do. Oh, you got a five. So take one stress and you also take the level one harm singed. As you are closing the door, the blast uh, hits the frame of the door. Well, it does not destroy that because it's already come through one wall. It does burn your hand that's on the, uh, that's on the doorknob. So you've got singed or burned hand there as a level one harm on your character sheet. Okay, uh, you are up in the scaffolding. Gil, you can see what is going on. 
you can see that the hover bike is preparing to leave. I think Gil is going to kind of try to go um, the way of least resistance and try to shoot out that bike. Okay. So let's see. Uh, how do you want to... What are you shooting with and oh. of your weapons? What's your weapon like that you're shooting with here? Um, I'm going to say like it's a medium blaster. Like it's kind of... Think like the equivalent of a shotgun. Um, so it doesn't have like too many uh, like charges or rounds or however you want to say of ammo, but it pecks enough of a punch and it goes enough of a distance that um, it could kind of reach that way. I, I don't know if I want to put that as a heavy. I mean, I, we aren't talking about load, but that's sure. What yeah. weapon are you going to use from your gear? Uh, let me look at what's there. You got a fine sidearm or a pair of fine sidearms as an option. Yeah, I um, guess I guess it's like a fine sidearm thing. Like I think that that's probably the closest to what I was imagining. Okay. Um. So let's say you came in here. All of you came in here knowing that you were trying to capture an assassin. So I think you're probably at at least normal load for this scene, meaning that you can take five load in total. So you've taken one fine sidearm and if you have another one check off the other box on the other side there so you're taking a shot at it and normally making an attack like this would be scrap mm -hmm. okay so i will roll that let's set the position in effect first um we will say that he has not seen you so your position is controlled and your effect i think is going to be you're trying to shoot the bike out from under him yeah and you're doing that with a basically a pistol uh, I'm going to say that yeah. that is controlled, limited effects. Okie doke. And no bonus dice. You can get some if you want. You can, well, you didn't need them. You rolled a six. Yeah, I, I didn't. <laughs> well done. Yeah, well done. So it's limited effects. Uh, if you look on the ship sheet, I've started a clock here uh, that says catching Cho. It's already at two ticks for the stuff you went through to find him. I'm going to add one more tick there. Your blast from your... Does your uh, sidearm, does it shoot like blasts or lasers or bullets? I think I kind of established that it's a little bit like a bullet, but it's a little more flashy, shall we say. Okay. Fancy bullets. They're, right. they're, they're fancy, shiny bullets. <laughs> so your bullet slams into the hover bike, and you can see it's starting to arrow down towards the ground. Cho is on it, attempting to wrest control. You see, just before he slams into the ground, he manages to do so and gets the hover bike. It's smoking, trailing smoke now, which will make it easier for you to track it. He pulls it into an alleyway, and you're going to have to give chase, all three of you now, or however you want to split up this action. Oh, man. That requires climbing down the scaffolding. It would, or jumping to the next building. You know, we're, we're in basically a city area here velvet how's uh how's nova's scramble i'm a pretty good scrambler would you like to lead a group action sure now uh, just to it's a good thinking about group actions the only thing i want to make clear is you don't have to be good at the action in order to lead a group action the person leading the group action is just the one who takes control of it in the fiction and the one who is going to spend the stress if there are any failures got you okay so whoever you think is saying, hey, let's do this, that's who should lead the group action. 
I mean, if everyone's okay with it, I think Xavier will pop out of the closet and say, The roof! <laughs> oh, pop out of the closet, huh? As I've done many times. <laughs> Alright, so for a group action, basically everybody rolls your scramble. And we see who gets the best roll, and that's the one that we take. And anyone whose best roll is um, lower than a 4-5 causes stress for Xavier. Um, would I put in risky again since I'm jumping from scaffolding or? Let's see. You want to get up to the roof. Uh, you are jumping from scaffolding. Uh, let's see. Xavier and, um, Nova, you're in a collapsing hallway. I'd say that all of you are in a risky position and this will be getting up to the roof will be a standard effect to get you up there. Cool. And you can push yourself or take devil's uh, bargains and so on for this, but okay. Well, the highest, a, <laughs> the highest roll was a six, which is good. So, but wasn't uh, you? But it wasn't. No, oh, you're right. It's zero dice. Okay. The highest roll is a five. That's good. Um. So, unfortunately, Gil, you rolled two ones, and uh, Xavier, you <laughs> rolled a three, a three and a six, but you were rolling with zero dice, which means you have to take the three. So, Xavier, that means that you take one stress for Gil's failure and one stress for your own failure, but we take the five result. So, um, I imagine, or, or sorry, I, like, I'm imagining I can at least talk for Gil. Gil is trying to, like, jump, he kind of trips, and he's hanging off the side of the other building that they're trying to get to, and then maybe Xavier has to pull him up, and that's how he gets strained, and then Gil gets like adds the strain to Xavier for that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's, this is what it looks like. So how is it that you're, we've heard what Gil is doing to get up the roof. What does it look like for the rest of you? I, I wrench open the elevator doors and climb. Uh, okay. And that gets you up to the roof. Fortunately, it's not too far for Xavier to make it up there. How about Nova? How do you get up there? Nova makes the leap. You jump out the front, out the front and do like a bounce back. Ooh, or what about like those wall jumps in Mario? A little parkour. It's definitely a wall, a wall jump, but it's more like Dark Siders wall jump than Mario. Okay, yeah, <laughs> no, I'm, I, I get it. Yeah. Okay. Now, as for the complication, so uh, you got a five, which means you do it, but there is, of course, a complication, and there are a lot of different things that can complicate your success in getting up to the roof. Uh, let's see here. So reduced effect, complication, lost opportunity, worst position, harm. Mm. Okay. I think you have made it up to the roof, and that's exciting. You're up there. You can see the smoke pretty clearly from here, so you still have the opportunity to pursue Cho. However, on the roof, you are fairly clear targets. So Cho could attack you from anywhere, or he might have traps set up around the city, or he might have allies somewhere that are keeping an eye on this roof. So you are now in a desperate position which you can understand because there is a puff of debris in front of your feet, uh, Xavier, as soon as you make it onto the roof, because a bullet just struck the ground on the roof in front of you. So you're all three now in a desperate situation. How do you continue this pursuit? I'm also going to... I, I call in our personal vehicles from the, the spot. Okay. I'm also going to add another tick to the uh, pursuit clock, because you did succeed in that action. You can track them now. You're now at four out of eight segments on the catching Cho clock. Okay, how do the personal vehicles get in here? Or do you want to do a flashback to say how they are already here? I think I just have my communicator as one of my load 
and I can call them in remotely, potentially. Okay. If you want to do that, it's going to take them a little bit to get here. They will come, but it'll take some time. Yes, yeah, Xavier didn't think ahead. All right. That's fair. So you activate your comms, and you get the bing to indicate that they are on their way, your personal vehicles. Is it possible that maybe Nova's car was all... Or- flying car thing was already there because we used it to drive around this city uh your personal vehicles can only carry one person so okay never mind then if just if you want to say no if you want to say one person's is there and they take off to follow immediately that's fine you are encouraged to split the party in this game unlike in other games i mean it'll be bad but i mean you want things to get bad in this game it can be i'll do it i'm real yeah i mean it doesn't have to be Velvet's character. I was just imagining that she would drive in the slick car, but it can be anyone. Well, if you want to say that your personal vehicle is here, then we'll do a flashback. I think that'll be a one-stress flashback to have it here. Yeah, I don't have Helm, which I think is the driving one, right? Yeah, I mean, you can also use other things to drive. True enough. Uh, Xavier, while we're waiting for the uh, personal vehicles to show up, Xavier, I think we'll hit the ground and try and find out where that bullet came from. Okay, so that sounds like you are trying to use an action, which I will suggest. What action do you want to do? Well, I would say Skulk, but it might be Study. It sounds more like Study, but you can do it with Skulk for lesser effects. I'll just try it with the Study then. Okay, you're still in a desperate position, but this will have standard effect to help you find uh, what you're looking for. And because I'm in a desperate uh, position, I mark experience and insight, right? You absolutely do. A standard effect or a limited? Yeah, standard. Awesome. I am sure you have had to look for snipers before, Is so it, it's not your first time. Same my first rodeo. What if, um, if I were to ask for a devil's bargain? Uh, what do you, what do you think would be suitable? You will find the sniper because they hit you. <laughs> there he is. Uh, you will take level one harm. Ooh. Mm, I'll take the bonus. That why not? Okay. Excellent. <laughs> okay. Um. On a desperate action, when you roll less than a four and you roll a two, uh, there are bad consequences. I think you're going to lose the opportunity to find the sniper. You are already taking harm level one. I'm going to upgrade that to level two harm. So you lose the opportunity. You won't be able to find the sniper because they shot you and that distracted you from finding them. And now they've moved. So you're going to take level two harm. where do you think you got shot? Probably in the shoulder. Okay. So mark your level two harm, uh, you know, broken shoulder or shattered shoulder. Whatever you think the sniper's bullet did to that shoulder, that's the level two harm. But what if I didn't want that to happen? Uh, it's the result of a devil's bargain, so you still have to take the level one harm regardless. Uh, you could resist the losing the opportunity with insight. I'll give that a shot. Okay. So I'm still taking the level one and shot shoulder. You're still taking the level two harm because that's the direct result of the devil's bargain that you took. But the thing that you can resist is losing the opportunity to find the sniper. Sounds good. (laughs) So I took five stress. You take five stress uh, and you are still able to, if you want to take a different approach, uh, you can try to find the sniper again. I would say around now, sorry, who said they had their vehicle with them? Or have we, has nobody said that yet? Don't think so. Okay. So you do know the good news is that your vehicles are just around the corner. They'll be here shortly. But at this point, 
uh, you see that trail of smoke starting to dissipate. It's going to get harder to find Cho himself. Who else is doing stuff here? I was trying to, because if he's weaving between buildings, I guess I couldn't like shoot him with my sniper. Um, I mean, you could. You'd probably have to get a lock on him first somehow. Okay, yeah, I mean, well, that was going on just because uh, I was waiting in case he called out for the sniper. I guess I'll try to just try to lock down on Cho with my sniper. Okay. Uh, that also sounds like study, but how do you want to do it? I can study. Okay. You're in a desperate position, and this will have standard effects. All right. You rolled a three. Uh, sorry, a six. Well done. So, yeah. How does your sniper rifle work? Is it the traditional analog scope? Is it some cool digital stuff? Does it have, like, a smart sights of some kind? It's digital, uh, and yes, it does have the smart sight. Okay. So you're looking through your scope, and it's like... You lock on as you see Cho dodging between two buildings. Now, remember, your task is to bring Cho in alive. With that in mind, are you shooting to kill or what? No, I'm shooting to maim. They said, you know, they said alive. You can live through a lot of stuff. Yeah. Okay. So you have got a lock on on them. Uh, There is, unfortunately, while you are standing up there and you've got the lock on them at that moment, the sniper is firing at you again, and you'll need to resist that. Is that with prowess probably, again? Probably with prowess. Either you're diving out of the way, or you're moving, or something along those lines. And they're going to give you a level 2 harm, uh, which you can reduce to level 1 if you resist it. Alright, you roll a 6, which means you suffer 0 stress. And, uh, let's see, not quite a critical, almost. So you suffer 0 stress to uh, resist the bullet. The bullet instead of striking you, hits, again, the roof next to you, and you are hit by some of the, like, um, some of the debris, some of the concrete chips that are springing up from the ground, and that uh, reduces it to a level one harm. But you can, of course, use armor to reduce that further if you have any. No, I don't, and I have already singed, so would I take a level two harm? You should have two spots for level one harm. Oh, yep, there it is. Yeah, so you'd put that in there. All right, I'm going to add another tick to the clock of catching Cho because you've got a lock on him with your sniper rifle. It'd be difficult for him to get out of that, get out of the way there. Gil, what are you up to? We haven't heard from you in a bit. Um, There is a fruit fly flying around that Gil keeps on trying to catch because it's annoying. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he, he keeps on trying to like clap at it or whatever. But uh, sorry, no, that that's uh, art imitating life, I guess there but um let me see what gill is good at again what do you think gill is doing like rather than what he's good at what do you think he would do right now well there's giving chase is he hanging back you know he'd probably be giving chase because no one runs run away from mcgill no one ever gets away from mcgill (laughs) okay so how are you giving chase Oh, I'm not good at it, but he's kind of like scrambling after. Okay. So you can always push yourself, get uh, an assist or a setup maybe, or take a devil's bargain to add more dice to that. Mm, maybe devil's bargain. That's so fun. Okay. He's going to shoot you. <laughs> uh, for the devil's bargain, what I will say is that uh, you can get an extra die. However, hmm, let's see. You are going to, you're going to get a little bit hurt by the jump that you're about to make. You'll be able to land it, but it's going to lead to a level one harm for you. Okay, so would you say my position is desperate or 
uh, or risky. Cause You're all in a desperate position still. Yeah, okay. And this is a standard effect? Yep. It's probably scramble, right? Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Okay. Excellent. Good. <laughs> all right. You've rolled a two. <sighs> yeah, I know. We're just not the murder bots we want to be. Okay. So you leap from the uh, from the rooftop, aiming to get to the rooftop across the way. Uh, unfortunately, as you land, you hear a crunch. And it's not the crunch of gravel beneath your feet, as you were hoping. It is the crunch of your ankle breaking, which would be a severe harm. It would be level three Ooh. harm, broken ankle. Okay, there is. Now, you can attempt to resist this because it is so much worse than the harm you were going to take otherwise to reduce it if you would if you wish with your prowess uh, with prowess um i wish you could like look like in the character sheet they could like if you hovered over like what the different things were like the situations for them because i want to i want to say like instead of like taking the full uh like I want to say scrap, like instead of taking the full pressure, he kind of rolled a little bit on the ang okay. ankle. Uh, for a resistance roll, it's not an individual action. It's prowess as a whole. Oh. So you would click on where it says prowess, which uh, for Gil, it looks like you have two dots for prowess resistance. So yeah. prowess, how many points you have in prowess is how many um, of the arrows you have ticked in the first column of prowess actions. Okay. And... Okay, and no bonus dice. Yeah, not for this. Ah. Okay, so you got a six. So you take no stress, which is good. Um, you do still take a level two harm sprained ankle. Okay, so he rolls. Uh, he kind of lands on that ankle, but he rolls. So instead of it completely snapping, it just kind of like bends a weird way and is now sprained as he's now sprawled on the next roof. Yep. I would say it's at this time when your personal vehicles arrive in the area. Uh, what do they look like? Nova, what is your personal vehicle? Are you muted? No, I'm good. Um, okay. It's probably like a, a very Tron-style bike. Okay. Is it like a ground-based motorcycle, or is it hover, or does it do both? It can do both. Okay, cool. Uh, what's Xavier's vehicle? It's a completely enclosed hover bike. All right. And Gil, what's Gil's vehicle? Rocket skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a scooter. A razor scooter? It shoots razor blades. A, a rocket. Awesome. Okay. Uh, are you all getting on to your personal vehicles? Yeah. Okay. I think it makes sense for now that you're on mobile vehicles that can basically fly, I'm going to upgrade your position from desperate to risky for your next set of actions, uh, unless the action you take is desperate. We'll see. Oh, Would I be able I to keep a scooter? It has one of those seats, so it doesn't put pressure on like a moped? <laughs> a moped? And no, it's they adorable. literally have... They... <laughs> the Andromeda's really shelled out for this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we can see why they were willing to give it to a bunch of random humans. Yeah, you guys got it. Sure. <laughs> we're going to throw these... Sure, away. yeah. You owe, you owe us one, though. These are definitely not children's children's toys. These are high In our culture. <laughs> Mine's enclosed because it's basically the Andromeda equivalent of a training wheel. <laughs> The Andromeda tricycle. It's just one big wheel. Yep, that's it. It's like General Grievous's. Ooh. <laughs> or like one of those dome uh, rover or bowl rover things in the new Jurassic Park. 
reboot thing. Is it a hamster ball? <laughs> I think I'm gonna sitting? go. I'm gonna go with single wheel, but um, I'm a big fan of the uh, hover hamster ball. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you've got your vehicles. Uh, what are you doing with them? Uh, I think because I, I imagine I can't drive the bike when I'm training the sniper. I might take my shot before I get in my vehicle. Okay. I'd like to. Well, never mind. I'll, I'll trauma out if I do that. Never mind. All right, so you take your shot. That's going to be scrap. It is risky. Uh, it is a long shot for you. I'm going to say because you're locked on, it's standard effects. I also have mystic ammunition. Yeah? Do you think you need that for this? I I, I don't remember it. what it does, but it's free, so like, I might as well. It hurts psychic so Some things. kind of magic bullets. It's that it's, flying uh, arrow from Guardians of the Galaxy. It's some type of specialized ammunition. That is meant for hurting psychics, I think. I don't know if it has to be, but could be that, yeah. Put a hole in him, but leave him alive. So it's desperate standard? Risky standard. You're on, oh, well, if you're not on your vehicle yet, it's desperate, yes. I was, yeah, I mean, because I don't think I can keep it trained if I'm, like, floating up there. Hmm. So you might be able to, if you take your bike up, that might allow you to maintain your lock. Oh, yeah, if I'm just going, like, straight up vertically, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, so I'll do that then. Risky standard, then, as you hop on your bike. Hey. All right. All right, so you've rolled a six. Uh, your on standard effect, your bullet, like, uh, what does it look like? You tell me. Uh, I've decked it out with some holographics so that as it travels, it gets like a, an overlay of a tiger. So it just looks like a big spooky tiger. <laughs> Those bullets must be ridiculously expensive. <laughs> they are. But wicked cool. So your tiger bullet uh, roars through the sky of this part of Bedinia and slams into the back of the hover cycle, and you see that Cho is launched from it backwards because the bullet impacts the back of it, so he's like flipped backwards off of his hover cycle. And as he's flying backwards, you see him do like a twist, and he twists his papoose so that he's got the small robot in front of him and curls up around it. Uh, You don't see him land because he is flying through the air and flies behind a building where you can't see it. But it looks like he is curled up to protect that machine on his chest and probably isn't in great shape. You're now at seven <laughs> in the clock. You're going to have to get down there if you want to catch him, though. I, I would All love right, to. All right, quick, quick, quick question. Is it possible? Yes. Is it possible that that is a robot baby? Are you a robot baby? This is like Gil asking them out loud, like because of the fact that it's in like one of those baby papooses. I, I he's he's so myself. protective of it. I, I enclose myself in my wheel and drive away without comment. <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna answer that. So, what? What an absurd question! Autobots are rolling out. Uh, poor Gil. Okay, are you? You're all working on getting down there, right? I fly over. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Do you want to do a group action to try and surround and capture him? Or do you want to have one person do that? Like, how do you want to roll here? I'm fine with that. Someone else will need to take the stress because I'm about to die. I have no help to begin with. I mean, I only have the hurt, hurt, right? Yeah. If you have stress, then you're fine. Uh, The arm is the part that will actually kill you. Uh, Yeah, I'm confused about which one I have. You have harm. You took harm. Yeah, okay, that was... Yeah, stress is the track along the top. Which I have stress. a lot of. Yeah, you do. Well, I have Go none, on. so... I I wouldn't take some. 
uh, help us not fail at this. Then please helm this. Okay, so I guess like, oh my gosh. So I'm imagining that Gil like leads the charge in a way. And, like, in Back to the Future Part 2, where they have all those uh, hoverboards with the tethers come out of them, like, the tether pulls out of the back of his uh, weird scooter thing and, like, attaches to theirs, and, like, he's, like, driving and navigating them as they, uh, as we all kind of, like, chase after him. Okay. So, you, you're all saying you want to do this with Helm? Yeah. Yeah, we, we are driving. Possible. Okay, everybody roll your helm, and of course you can always push yourself or get uh, doubles bargains if you wish. So this is risky? This is risky standard, as you could get shot at, you don't know, but at the same time, you know, it's going to be difficult for him to get away from you. All right, so we've got two failures so far. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Get away! <laughs> Baby crit! All right, so Gil, you got a six, that's good. You do take two stress from the less than stellar performance of your uh, of your allies because we were tethered we didn't think we had to drive ourselves <laughs> whoops just slamming into buildings oh boom, my god and, and like oh no oh no like awful cart gone uh, like Gil is like hyperventilating stress of them right mm-hmm. all right uh your bikes and scooter swoop down uh, onto the alleyway where you lost, last saw Cho, and you can see him. He is uh, on his feet, but he is leaning against a wall, breathing heavily. He's very bloody. It looks like something might be broken. It's hard to tell. He has still got the uh, robot in front of him in that papoose. He's got one arm around it, and the other one is holding his heavy blaster. As he looks up at you, you know, there's blood running into one of his eyes. This this is a, I mean, for one, he's a good looking guy, or at least he normally would be if he weren't covered in blood. Maybe that makes him better looking. Depends on your character. Uh, he's bald. He's got a lot of different tattoos uh, all over his body. He looks more distinctive than you would expect an assassin to, but he's clearly, uh, from your information, good at his job. So he must he must be good enough normally to deal with that. He's got a vest with a mesh shirt underneath it and a belt with a skull for a um, belt buckle. And he is wearing leather pants, or maybe they're pleather pants, like those skin-tight pants. Same maybe spray-on material as Nova has. And big old, big old boots. Are we sure that and... Jason did not make this character? <laughs> he is here no. in spirit. He's here in spirit. Wait, does he have nipple rings? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, he's wearing a mesh shirt, so you can tell that yes. Yes, he does. Yes! Knew it. Oh. On all six nipples. <laughs> He's just a human, so not that many nipples. No, humans can have extra nipples. They're... Four extra nipples? He's I a mean, technically, He's yeah, they look like really moles. Really body mod, what can I say? I mean, if you can have four kidneys, you can have four extra nipples. <laughs> That's true. There is. Science. I did say that. I did say that in this universe, the, uh, the gene hacking is... <laughs> hereditary so sure he's got six nipple rings <laughs> that's awful i'm so sorry <laughs> i would uh, and, and you oh guys boy. say i'm the menace i never said that he is holding the heavy blaster it's still a very nasty very uh deadly weapon you've got him cornered he does not look like he is about to surrender your task is to bring him in alive his hand is 
his hand that is uh, protectively over the what looks like a robot. It's hard to tell what it is. The papoose is covering most of it. Uh, is shaking slightly, but his gun hand is rock steady, and he looks like he's ready to fight. I I amplify my voice through my 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 uh, my bike, and I say. Uh, in, in keeping with the statutes set forth by the Hired Goons Organization for Bounty Hunting and Individual Retrieval, uh, we re- humbly request that you surrender in order to dissuade further acts of violence on your person. Okay. Uh, sounds like you're trying to sway. Sure am. Uh, okay. You could have let me play. You could assist. Burn, burn that stress. Give me a die. Yeah, if you take a stress, you can assist. And... Uh, Gil adds on, yeah, come with us, and you and the robot baby are not going to get her. We, okay. we flash our hired goon badge. <laughs> okay, yep, I mean, you you are hired goons, so you you would have some type of badge. Uh, and he's also a member of the hired goons, so is presumably familiar with the protocols. I've started a six-segment clock collecting Cho, depending on... You can take different actions to fill this, and I've ticked one for the fact that you've got him cornered. Okay, awesome. so I'll I have this. taken... The next stress, yeah. Is it standard effect, then? This is risky standard effect right now, um, because he's still got that gun and knows how to use it, as you know from personal experience. I found out. Okie doke. Uh, I'm going to roll complete caca for the rest of the night. I want you to know I've rolled a one and a three. You you have done that. You have rolled the one and the three there. Okay. Um, swaying isn't going to work anymore. Uh, uh... Cho, you can see his hand tightens on his gun he's got good trigger discipline so his finger's not on the trigger right now but it's close to it and it twitches towards that trigger and he's starting to raise it you can tell that you're not going to sway him with any talk of official this or that he's not interested he is trying to take like a step backwards he's mostly surrounded there's a wall behind him and then the three of you collecting him but he is moving backwards towards looks like there's a hole in the wall that he's trying to get to I keep a lookout just in case we're uh, we have attracted more attention, but I'm making sure no other organizations are stepping in yet. If I can, okay, we can uh, we can keep that in mind if that comes up. We can maybe include a flashback if that comes up. I would like to try to shoot his uh, blaster arm with my blaster. Okay, you want to shoot him? Yeah, I want to try to shoot his blaster hand. So your goal is to uh, disarm him, I assume, whether literally or or figuratively. Yes. Okay. So this is still this is still risky. Uh, and it's going to be, I think, great effect if you if you make it. I have the pressure. Ooh, I know what Gil's going to okay. do. You got a five in there. That's good. So you fire on him. I'm going to add three ticks to that clock. Um, he jerks up his gun to fire back at you as he sees you making taking the shot. Uh, do you think you knock the gun out of his hand, or do you think you knock the hand off of his gun? Like, as in, his hand is no longer part of his body. <laughs> it doesn't hurt me if there's less competition, so th- th- he may have to be literally disarmed. Okay. You blow off his hand, and uh, he doesn't scream, but he makes a very strained <laughs> sound. Um, as he stumbles backwards, there's, you know, blood coming out of there. It's, it's very a laser. Gross. It cauterized a wound. Okay. There is blood from the other end of it. Um uh, around the ground around him before it gets fully cauterized and he is uh he stops moving and is looking up at you with like real anger uh but there's a little bit of fear in there as well so you've got him uh on the ropes as it were and he says you don't know what you're doing this is too dangerous for the likes of you to get involved in i'm already in way over my head 
you should really just let me go. And it's very convincing. Uh, I think you're going to have to resist or you're going to have to let him get away or you're going to have to resist the desire to let him get away with your insight. Uh, do I resist with resolve? That would be, is it resolve or insight? Resolve, yeah. Can I do something around the same time? Probably. What do you want to do? I want to attune to the robot, baby. Can you do that without touching it? Oh, it just, uh, in the rule book, it says open your mind to the galactic energies uh, flowing throughout existence. Right. I think uh, for this particular machine, you would have to be touching it to have any effect. Aw, and now I miss my hair. <laughs> All right, as you roll the five, so you are able to resist the effects of this desire. I'm not sure I did this right, but whatever. You take one stress, and you're able to continue your attack on Cho. Wait, what if uh, what if Gil has like the hair thingies come out, but it's from his beard? I don't think those hair thingies are a technology that's common in the galaxy. What if he takes off his sunglasses and it's his piercing <laughs> eyes that somehow... <laughs> like it's like a John Belushi and Blues Brothers glasses down. If you want to try in a tune, you're going to have to get your hands on this machine. Ah, okay. Okay, what are you going to do to either bring him in or bring him down at this point? That's what you got to do. I'm going to rush him and knock him out. Okay. As we are waiting for this to happen, I'm going to put a little break in the recording here. So, uh, thanks for joining us for this first part of our playtest. And until the next time, all the best. Thanks, folks. Lest we forget, of course. Space quits. Space quits.